Hi, I'm Abby, and I'm here with Alan. Hello. And we are here from the future. We're so thankful that you're listening to the early episodes of our podcast. We just wanted to give you a heads up that our format has changed pretty dramatically. And now we do these deep dives into occult and horror history, as well as reading horror stories. So if you want to enjoy the podcast in its current format, start somewhere around episode 22. Or listen backwards. Enjoy. This is the fourth episode of the Lunatics Radio Hour. I'm Abby Branker. Speaking of the mic, please. Oh, my God. (laughs) Welcome, everyone, to the fourth episode of the Lunatics Radio Hour. I'm Abby Branker. Um, This podcast is pretty simple. We read you spooky or weird stories, and that's it. If you're interested in submitting a story to be read, please email us at filmsaboutlunatics at gmail.com. We'd be happy to read your short story on these live airwaves. So far, these are all stories. I know they're not live. I understand it's part of the joke. It's a podcast. <laughs> you know, I'm funny and unpredictable. Um, so, yeah, so far. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining what he looks like when yeah. responding to you. He's just... I look funny and unpredictable. <laughs> um, that's Alan over there, our sound engineer, I suppose. Also, my boyfriend, another lunatic himself. You going to say anything? It's going to look blankly. I'm just letting you describe me. Oh, well, you're great. In the other corner of the room, we have KK Mayo. Um, who What's you, up? You'll remember her from her haunting reading of the darkness in the last episode of the Lunatics Radio Hour. So haunting. Really, really well done. So if you haven't listened to that, I highly recommend going back. And even if you have, maybe give it another go. Yeah. Worth a second play. Yeah. How are you doing today, KK? I'm pretty good. I had work this morning. I had to get up super early. Mm-hmm. And then I met my friend Annie at Burger and Lobster. Mm. little plug there for Burger and Lobster. Pretty good. Burger and Lobster is great. Yeah, I'm from Maine, so I know a good lobster when I eat it. What are you going to say, Alan? And you're still plugging a non-Maine chain. Yeah, I know. It's disrespectful. But No, no. That is speaking <laughs> quite highly for Burger and Lobster. Yeah, but they're from Canada, so it's not like I'm plugging a... She means Canada. Weird state. Right. Besides Maine, that would have lobster. Like Florida. Right. Oh, that would be problematic. <laughs> um, cool. Okay. So KK's going to read a story. I'm pretty good at that. Right. And that's the whole point of why we're here. Um, this is a super short, weird one. This is actually kind of like an exclusive sitch. It's coming out here before it's going to come out on <gasps> Patreon. Wow. Um, it's going to come out sometime mid-November. Um, but anyway... It's pretty short and cool and a little bit funny and whatever. I'll let you be the judge of that. Take it away, KK. Okay. My Girlfriend. Written by Abby Brenner. Narrated by KK Mayo. Dear friend. I think an alien or robot, or possibly an alien-robot hybrid, is posing as my girlfriend. Before you laugh in my face, let me present you with the evidence. First of all, she started to cook me dinner, which she never does. This could be a New Year's resolution, sure, but it's November. Nice try. It's not just that she never cooks. It's that she adamantly hates cooking. And she came home one day and just started cooking as if she's been doing it all along. 
It's as if she just forgot something fundamental about herself. Second of all, she keeps pronouncing my name wrong. She's not calling me the wrong name, which I would respect as a power move when we fight. But she's pronouncing it as if she's never heard the name John before. Her dad's name is John. She keeps saying it Janie, almost like Jan with an E on the end. This is not me being paranoid. I've lived with her for six years. We've been together for nine. I know what her voice sounds like pronouncing my name, and this isn't right. She's also not good enough at practical jokes to pull this off for so long. Third, her eyes have started to turn red during sex. I'm not necessarily opposed to this in theory. It's kind of hot and weird. But it's not some pre-discussed thing we are trying out. She did not go to the Halloween store and pick up some red-tinting contacts because it's something I'm really into. Her eyes are full-on flashing between normal and red before my eyes. It's like a little too freaky for me, which is saying quite a lot. Fourth, she started to hiss at neighborhood cats. This also does not bother me in theory. I do not like or understand cats, and I do not like or understand why the neighbors let them roam around and eat my plants. That being said, it would be funny if it was a cute thing she did here and there. But I can tell her heart is really in it. She started chasing one down the street the other day on all fours. She looked like something from a Japanese horror film. It made a kid cry. Finally, she seems to be broken. I gave her a glass of water last night, which seemed to confuse her. But I thought maybe she was dehydrated from all the cat chasing. She wasn't sure what to do with it, but after she finally drank some, she slumped over and strange noises are coming from her insides. They definitely aren't human noises. They're sort of mechanical and musical at the same time. Now, I could call the hospital, but I'm also 90% sure that she isn't my girlfriend, and I'm thinking I may need to use this alien robot's body as ransom to get her back. I understand if you don't want to help, but I really don't want to get the government involved and jeopardize losing Ashley to some space creatures. Let me know if you're willing, and I'll send the details. Signed, John. What did you think of that story, KK? I I dug it. I yeah. really started picturing the mechanical noises mm-hmm. that were also musical that her body was making. Let's hear it. It was like, eh. yeah, it's so musical. It's incredibly musical. You know, yeah. Um. Well, thank you so much for reading. Thank you for having me. This hold, was lovely. Hold, hold up. Can can we just get back to the fact that. The third thing that tipped him off was that her eyes glowed red during sex. Yeah, that is weird. I'm not going to lie. That shouldn't be third. That should be number one. That'd be a bit of a red flag This was like in order of how he discovered them. Okay, okay, okay. You know? Yeah. It was like supposed to unfold as a story. He was also telling a story, so he was being, he was pushing up the drama. He was burying the lead. Yeah. Okay? Yeah, I liked it. During when you said that, Alan like made eye contact with me and he was like, third? You kidding? (laughs) I was like, yeah, well, it took him a few days to have sex. I don't know. I really like the hissing at cats thing. Yeah. Thank you. I actually kind of wrote that for Alan because he hates cats. I don't hate cats. I just hate your cat. He hates my cat. James is a dick. <laughs> this We're talking about uh, James Branker for those of you. Yeah. And just home. so you all know, Mikey Mayo is James Branker's brother and is my cat. And he's 3,000 times percent better. He, he's I didn't wonderful. really think that this would happen on this podcast. <laughs> You didn't know that I was the point of this? I didn't think there would be a need to talk about <laughs> our cats and compare them. I don't think there is in day-to-day life, and I don't think there's a need to do it now. Okay. Well, we don't once, need to shame James. Uh, once right. venom gets into the veins, it just seeps everywhere. Sorry. I just love my cats so much. I understand. That's how I feel, too. I don't know why. 
stuff. Um, so anyway, taking your feedback about my story, Alan, thank you. And now we're going to hear another one. That's what we're doing here. I don't know. I hope you guys are into this. It's hard to tell. It's pretty nice. Yeah. Almost like my eyes are flashing red. I'm having a good time. Oh, are you orgasming? Yeah. Great. The wolves. Cool. I'm glad we're all here together doing that on on audio. <sighs> okay. We have one more story for you, and I am going to read it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Hey, on. Hi. Hi. Um, you haven't read one since episode one. Yeah. Well, here I am, back Wh- in the saddle. Which is still currently my favorite story of the series. Wow. Because of the way it's written or because of the performance? Um, the writing. All, all of the above. Wow. Well, thank it's, you. It's a solid story and it just, you, you came a mediocre just clear. performance. I think it was fantastic. Well, hopefully I'll do better this time, you know, learn from my mistakes. The, the, the stakes are very, the bar is set very high. It's harder than you think. I feel like I have a lot of liquid in my mouth all the time when I'm doing this, which I didn't expect to feel like. No one said this was going to be easy. So, uh, what's the name of the story? Have you ever wondered what the band ACDC has to do with the missing town of Dublin, Wisconsin? Or who gets to decide what music plays at the end of the world? Or whether or not the largest unsolved art heist in history was actually a cover for a different crime? Maybe you haven't wondered about these things, but that's okay. On 31, we dive into strange, true, but often lesser-known stories and the interesting theories that surround them. From space to sports, lost media to internet lore, 31 has something for everyone. Find 31 on your favorite podcast platform and dive into the why behind the weird with me, Quinn Lovecraft. 31, the why behind the weird. This story is called Between the Trees, and... One of my friends and co-workers told me a true life experience that he had when he was visiting the Philippines where his family is from when he was little, and uh, I turned it into a story. I hope he's cool with me reading it. I'm not going to tell you his name in case he wants to protect his paranormal experience. Uh, and it's like obviously fictionalized. A lot of it is, um, it's like 90% made up, so I don't want people to think this is like super, this is, no one is claiming that this happened. But there's just bits of it that I stole. Um, cool. So I'm going to read it now. You ready? So this is a true story that happened in the Philippines. No. You didn't listen to anything I just said. I took what I wanted. Yep, that's what I did too. Okay, here we go. Between the Trees. Between the Trees. Written by Abigail Branker. Narrated by Abigail Bringer. I find it weird that I didn't know you had voice talent until now. I was just laughing to our dancer. I also want to say before I jump in. Yes, please. One more thing. Yes. There's a type of tree. What kind of tree? Well, it's called, a, I believe, a ballet. Tell me more. Well, I just wanted to say it's referenced in here, and I know I'm going to pronounce it incorrectly, and I don't want to offend anybody, and I tried to look up on Google how to pronounce it. How is it spelled? B-A-L-E-T-E. Ballet. Ballet? So that's what I'm going to say. And if it's wrong, I'm so sorry. Okay, here we go. Between the trees. Between the 
He had been certain that he hadn't seen it a moment ago. He had been walking in the forest, in a part of the world he wasn't familiar with anymore, in search of a rare balette tree, a beautiful and haunting tree. This one in particular was over 400 years old. It twisted and turned. It grew unlike other trees. It had a mind of its own, full of ancient magic and lore. It was covered in what looked like thousands of vines made of bark surrounding a deep, dark, hollow center. He had visited the same tree many years ago, when he was only a child. He couldn't remember exactly how old he had been, but no older than seven when he moved to the States. He remembered the stories from his childhood here, reconfirmed by the hushed whispers that swept across the local bar when he had prodded the barkeep about it. There were three known bullet trees in the Philippines. He had expected to find the tree. Google was pretty clear on its location, but the heaviness that accompanied his journey was unexpected. At the base of the tree, he could see old jars and bowls, remnants of offerings left to the great bullet. As he walked closer, he felt the sacred and solemn energy grow. He almost felt dizzy with it. All right, he had come all this way. He had found the sacred tree, now what? He looked around, half expecting a spirit or apparition to be lurking over his shoulder. He was alone. He reached out and touched it. Something started to grow deep inside of him at first, then quickly radiating out to everything around him. His body vibrated along with the tree. He hadn't realized he had closed his eyes. He opened them. A faint glow was coming from the hollow center of the tree. He didn't feel afraid. The glow continued to expand until the entire core of the tree was illuminated. Hello, John. You may enter. The disembodied voice echoed not around him, but inside of him. Still, he did not feel fear. Something about it felt like home. The voice spoke with a slight accent, but John was surprised to hear it was English. He was even more surprised at the sound of his own name. He did not know what was about to happen, but he pushed forward through what felt like a bubble of dense air, into the core. John blinked. He thought for a second that he was in his grandmother's kitchen. One woman stood above a huge cast-iron pot in the middle of the room. She was strikingly beautiful. She looked aged and weathered. Her beauty was distorted with deep lines. Her hair was streaked with channels of gray across a vivid black. A younger woman knelt next to the base of the pot, adding wood to the fire that fueled it. She had similar features, but without the signs of age. Neither looked up at him. You made good time, the older woman spoke. Mm, thanks, John responded awkwardly. Take a seat, the younger woman gestured to a cushion on the floor. John made his way over, keeping his eyes closely on the pair. His brain didn't trust that they were real, but his heart knew that they were. What is this? Neither of them answered. A moment later, the younger woman dipped a ceramic bowl in a huge cast iron pot and filled it with steamy liquid. She handed it to John. Drink this. John looked down. The liquid looked otherworldly. It seemed to ebb and flow, shift in a way that didn't quite make sense. It was as if the bowl had its own current, or its own moon controlling a microtide. What is it? It's hot and it's filling. You haven't had anything except coffee today. How do you know that? No answer. The women went back to their work, leaving him alone with his decision. He hesitated only a moment before he raised the uneven ceramic to his lips. He had come all this way, of course he was going to drink the soup just like he had known he would enter the core of the tree. It's no good making big decisions on an empty stomach. Am I about to make a big decision? Indeed, you are. What sort of decision? Don't you already know? Don't you remember why you've come here? John sighed. I do. Very well, then. No use beating around the bush. All right. What do I do? You need a mutia. Do you remember what that is? John shook his head. Shame. Your father was one of the few men to properly acquire one in the last century. 
I'm sure he told you about it when you were younger. How do you think he got your mother? And it will help me convince her? Amutya will install infallible strength and charm onto you. It will guard you for the rest of your life and bring you good fortune. However, like all things, it's up to you to decide how you use it. John opened his mouth to speak, but the spirit cut him off. Yes, you are right. Your parents' romance fizzled. Your father's strength faltered. I will say again, it is up to you to decide how you use it. How do I get it? Ten minutes later, John passed again through the dense, glowing portal that connected the worlds. He was back in the forest. The tree was silent and still, no longer illuminated or vibrating. He felt alone, but determined. He needed to find a banana tree. He didn't need to look long. He walked through the trees as if he knew the way, as if he'd treaded this path every day of his life. A banana tree stood before him. Its purple, oversized flowers looked almost luminescent in the moonlight. Which way was east? He didn't have a compass on him, but he knew. This blossom must be facing east. It felt like the right one. It was almost midnight. He needed to be patient. He couldn't mess this up. Just as it hit midnight, he could see the east-facing banana blossoms start to open, responding to the moonbeams that suddenly soaked the forest in light. John awkwardly positioned himself under the blossom, opening his mouth. He hoped it wouldn't slip down his throat and choke him. Slurp? <laughs> Slurp? Right on time. Slurp? Slurp? Right on time, he saw the small, toe-sized mutnia dislodge from the open flower and slowly slide down towards his mouth. And in an instant, he had captured it. But now the hard part started. John stood his ground, braced himself. The blood spirits had told him, the guardians will try to take it from you. Hold firm. If by sunrise you still possess it in your mouth, it is yours to do what you will. John held firm. He remembered his reasons, and he clenched his jaw down tighter. By a minute past midnight, the madness had started. He could see a shadow. It looked like it slipped out of the banana blossom behind the mutya. It circled around him faster and faster. John stood taller. Then the cackling started. Distant shrieks at first. They rose so sharply his ears could barely stand it. He wanted to raise his hands to his ears. He wanted to rupture his eardrums or stick knives into his ears, anything to stop the noise. He clenched his teeth. He was so close he couldn't let go now. It didn't matter if he needed to endure pain or fear for a single night. He would get a lifetime of happiness. He ran his tongue over the mutya, still cool in his mouth despite his body heat. He could feel it gently pulsing, gently encouraging him and reminding him of its power. He could see a flicker of light between the trees, spilling over the horizon. It was morning, silence, stillness. It was done. He popped it out of his mouth and slipped it into his pocket. He could see movement in the distance. He instinctively clenched his jaw tighter and raised his fist in a demonstration of strength. It was a young woman. He dropped his stance. He recognized her as the younger woman from the tree core, the younger spirit. Well done. Thank you. She offered him a bowl filled with liquid. This time he recognized it. The taste was familiar to him. He had remembered drinking it when he was a kid here. She nodded towards him and turned to leave. Wait, John called. What's your name? Claudine. See you soon, John. The end. Do you, do you have questions about this story? Did you understand the plot? I did understand the plot. What was the plot? Looked like you were on your phone for a bit there. I, 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 well, I was taking pictures of you in the booth. Oh. So I really like this story. Um, it brings back um, memories of when I was visiting my brother in Costa Rica. Mm. Uh, because this type of tree, how, how do you say it again? Bullet. 
the Bullet. Hopefully. Um, I, it's probably the same family of the things, uh, the, uh, the fig strangler tree. I believe it is. Yeah. Of the strangler family, I guess. Um, Scranton strangler. Do you know how these, uh, trees work? Tell me. It's, it's kind of wild. So it's kind of like a vine Mm -hmm. that wraps around a tree, Mm -hmm. but it just encompasses it so fully that the tree cannot survive yeah so eventually the tree inside dies suicide yes yes ritual suicide suicide tree um and then because it's dead it rots away but the vine survives Mm -hmm. so that leaves this like external skeleton yeah like that just survives and so the the center is hollow because the center disintegrates this, this takes uh, this is like a multiple hundreds of years process mm-hmm. um and just be creates the most extravagant structures that it's like a it's a lattice that you can just climb and it's you know you can you can just climb up the center of these trees because it's a ladder um, and it's absolutely magnificent. It rises hundreds of feet into the air. It's, did you it, climb it? I did. Yeah. It's, it's truly like a very unique life experience seeing these trees. I can only imagine like what your friend went through seeing one of these. That's very cool. Actually. So the tree part of this is not part of his story. Really? But it is true that there's three of these trees in the Philippines. That's all based on fact. And people leave like rituals and sacrifices. There's to only them. three. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. There's three known. And people leave like rituals and sacrifices because they're so beautiful and huge and different than all the other types of trees there. That's wild. Yeah. Like they're, they're all over Costa Rica. Yeah. Um, cl- there's definitely ones that are like super famous that people come all over the world for. Mm-hmm. But that's because that they are wide enough to climb through. Mm-hmm. The right. fact that there's only like three that remain or it's like that's super significant. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it's cool. His story is actually a little bit different and maybe I'll get him to come on here one day and, and tell it because he's got some, he's got quite a few paranormal encounters. Love to hear him. Yeah. So that's it. That's the end of this episode. Oh no. Uh, I know, but don't worry. We'll have more hopefully, probably, we'll definitely. definitely probably have more. Um, but I hope you enjoyed the stories today and all the stories we've told so far. If you haven't listened to the first three episodes, you could do that probably pretty easily from where you are right now. Um, and if you're into what we're doing here, you can also subscribe to us on YouTube, Films About Lunatics, and on Instagram, Films About Lunatics. Um, obviously, we've kind of branched off to other things, not just films, but those but, remain but, our but handles. But still, like, yeah, the, the films are definitely the strongest component. They're our lifeblood. I'm, I'm just a bit biased. Well, you're involved in all things, so I don't know why you're biased. We have, um, in case you're not familiar with Lunatics, I suppose the end of the fourth episode is a good time to let you know about it. So um, we create spooky content. We have spooky short films on YouTube. We have spooky seasonal magazines. Um, You can support us on Patreon and get access to tons of spooky short stories just like these. And now we have this podcast. Uh, And also follow us on Instagram for tons of spooky photos. And that's about all I have to say. We really, really, really appreciate you listening, you making it this long in the podcast. That means the entire world to us. Um, and again, send in any stories or ideas or feedback to filmsaboutlunatics at gmail.com. 
we'd be we're very very thirsty for those one of my favorite things is that it's just like a such a collaborative nature yeah just anybody that has a fun idea it just comes to fruition yeah that's what we do here we turn your dreams into realities okay we're not going to apologize for it Mm. um yeah so please send us an email reach out let us know what you want to do we want to be part of something we love that until next time until next time be spooky be safe goodbye Thanks for listening. If you'd like some bonus content, consider supporting us on Patreon to access our patron-exclusive podcast, Horror Movie Club. Also head to lunaticsproject.com to check out our spooky merch and apparel. You can find us at Lunatics Project on Twitter and TikTok, and The Lunatics Project on Instagram and YouTube, where you'll find our short horror films, cemetery tours, and so much more. And please rate and review. A little feedback goes a long way to help us grow and get more content out there. Our cover art is by Pilar Kep and musical bumpers are by Michaela Papa and Jordan Moser.